ladies and gentlemen, I do have a really sad announcement. Our brother Dawa Yisrael has passed. He has transitioned. And, you know, I had the pleasure of interviewing him a couple of years ago on live stream on my channel. And we corresponded a few times on the phone and also by email. And I knew he was sick. He had stage four cancer. And, you know, so he was dealing with that towards the end of his life. I'm just so grateful that I did get to know him. I'm going to miss him. And he was starting a few years ago uh, a radio show. And he wanted to invite me on there. And I know he also was trying to run for mayor of Benton Harbor, Michigan. That's where he lived. And even at the time that I interviewed him, his mother back then was ailing and he was taking care of her. So he had his hands full, you know, especially towards the end of his life. So, you know, as you can see, he was born March 4th, 1971, and he transitioned on December 12th. 2022, very young, 51, which is not old at all in today's standards. And I did, I did know his legal name because he did tell me, you know, his legal name was Jamie Davis. So I did know that. So, wow, you know, what a loss. And it just seems like so many of the people that, you know, are transitioning are so young. These are not even people up in age. I'm noticing just a whole bunch of young people. You know, I even saw that in my family. I know y'all remember back in 2021, I lost multiple family members. And it wasn't even all illness. That's the thing. So it's just stunning to see how many young people have transitioned just over the last two, three years. And it just seems like that number continues to go up. So I know, um, you know, Dawa told me about his time in the service. And yeah. he was over there, I believe, Operation <laughs> Operation Desert Storm. He was over there for that. And he was telling me what it was like being over there in the service during that time and how, you know, some of the Iraqi men approached him and said, what, what are you black men doing here? We Y'all should go home. And you know what? These, they were right, you know, unfortunately, many of our brothers and sisters have served this country and on, it, it's it. like a thankless thing whenever people in our community do it. 
you know. But if yeah. war comes up, you're the very ones they want on the front line, which they absolutely don't deserve from us at all. Okay, so on top of being an activist, Dawa also was a musician. He had a deep passion for music. And if you remember at the time when he still had an active YouTube channel, for a while he played a lot and he would sing. And he actually wrote and recorded his own music and had a CD that he was singing. Um, that songs that he wrote, he had one called Sister Lemonade Man, Back in the Day, People of the Sun, Is Anybody Listening? Those are just some of the titles he had. He was also a writer. He wrote a book definition of a broke ass. He also had his own television spot. And that's how I actually came across him. He had his own television spot and he would post the episodes up on YouTube back then. And that's how I actually found him. So it was um, CANN TV on the south side of Chicago, Illinois, where he talked about the issues. A lot of the issues were things that impacted the black community. He was deeply against oppression and many other topics, you know, where uh, racism was involved. Jamie made important people, um, you know, he had important people on his show. You know, he had um, someone from the Senate. He had uh, Dr. Umar Johnson, uh, just to name a few. He debated white supremacists and he was an ordained bishop. And he also preached sermons. He was also uh, heavily into local activism around where he lived. and. He also ran for mayor. So he was a pretty active person. He didn't just sit around talking. He really got involved in things. So y'all, I'm definitely going to miss this brother. You know, but we all got our expiration date. His just happened to come now. He's gone, but he surely will never be forgotten, especially by me, you know. I did enjoy the, the times we did speak by phone. Um, I made donations to him and I enjoyed watching his videos when he was on YouTube, you know, and of course, you know how it is when you take a strong stand, they come and they won't leave you alone. And that's what happened with him. So he was strong in his views when it came down to a lot of issues and if nothing else, he stood on his own principles, whether you agreed with him or not. But my prayers to Dawa Israel, also known as Jamie Lee Davis, I pray for him, I pray for his family. And if there is anyone raising money um, from his family, please get in contact with me because I would definitely make a donation. 
please leave your comment and subscribe. Don't forget to hit on the notification bell and I'll see you on the next video. Peace, family. subscribers mama ruach for this next story now we know the weather has been treacherous over the last couple of days it's been a lot of the country in a decrease well in atlanta a lot of pipes burst in people's homes and you know if you're not used to that situation you may not know what to do but in the event that a pipe bursts in your house, you need to go to your main valve in your house and shut the water off. That way you can prevent flooding or stop more flooding in the house. So when the pipes start bursting in people's homes across Atlanta, they start calling 911 and the police are pretty much saying, don't call 911 because your pipes burst. And in a sense, they are right. You need to call a plumber. You need to get somebody out to your house to repair whatever pipe burst. But I do understand. You know, if you've never been in that situation, you may not be thinking very clearly. So, wow, I remember when this happened in Texas. Metro Atlanta emergency lines overwhelmed. Police were asking the public not to call 911 because your pipes burst. Police stressed the importance of keeping emergency lines open. Well, I guess to the person calling, that was an emergency. As the nation grappled with deep freezing temperatures over the last few days, emergency officials in Georgia are telling people, don't call 911 unless it really is an emergency situation. Pipes bursting doesn't necessarily make the cut. This is according to Winnet County Police Department. The agency said calls about pipes bursting throughout the county are overwhelming the 911 system. So I guess that was all the calls coming in. Wow. Wow. You know, people are just scared. I think this storm scared a lot of people in the country. If you encounter a burst pipe, do not call 911. It's important 
that we keep these lines open for emergency calls. And that was posted by the Gwinnett County Police Department on social media. The Cal County officials also posted a message on Christmas Day advising people from refraining calling dispatchers unless there's an urgent emergency. 11 Alive meteorologist Andrew Wilson is forecasting the potential for another pipe freeze. So, you know, Atlanta is just one of those places when it gets that cold, they're not used to that. So it was like 21 degrees and they're not used to 21 degrees. So leaks and flooding have plagued Metro Atlanta homes and businesses Christmas weekend, including the busiest airport. So they had pipes bursting even up at the airport. As the metro area struggles with below freezing temperature and eases into a warm up, burst water pipes are now one of the major consequences being felt by places such as Delta Sky Lounge, Lenox Square, Marietta Diner, residents across the metro. The American Red Cross says in the wake of pipe issues to follow these steps, shut off the water, which is what I told you. So ladies and gentlemen, this is part of the territory when you go into cold temperatures in the spring, it's not unusual, like in the area that I'm in, to have water main break. As soon as the weather warms up in the spring, it's not unusual to hear about water main breaks, uh, breaks going on in the region. It is very common, especially a change in temperature. So you're gonna see more pipes bursting. We're not out of the woods. And, you know, this is the same thing we heard happen in Texas when they went into the deep freeze. You had all of these pipes bursting and I was reading in some of the apartment complexes and all of the pipes in the building burst. I mean, that it, it is crazy. I mean, it, this is what cold weather will do, especially if you don't have any warm water or, or you know, you don't have the house heated up to the point where your pipes are not freezing. And, you know, one thing, and, you know, some of you will agree, some won't. I notice, like, when I go down in the south, their heating systems in those homes are really not all that great. When you come up north, and, you know, because it does tend to get cold, especially in the winter, the heating systems just seem to be better. So, yes, do pipes burst? Absolutely, they do up in the north, but it's less common because our heating systems just got to be a lot stronger because of the part of the country that we're in. So, yes, it does happen, but I notice it happens more in the southern states or in the states where you're really not used to the cold and then you suddenly get hit with cold weather. And 
in all honesty, I really think this is the way it's going to be, y'all. This is going to happen again when we get into 2023. I, I think this is the norm, just like you see these killer hurricanes every single year. I think these type of winters are going to be commonplace in America and areas that would have been warm are now going to go in the deep freeze. You know, we were cold, but there were other parts of the country more south of us that were colder than we were. So you're going to see this is really going to become the norm. You know, we they called that a freak storm. I remember when it was in Texas. I was like, no, this is the way it's going to be. And here we go again. And this time it was 80% of the country that was dealing with freezing temperatures. So, you know, some people call it climate change. And this is just it. When next year and the year after come, you're going to see similar things occur. But y'all, please tell me what you think. Again, you know, just make sure you shut the water off in your house. Just make sure you shut it off and don't panic. Because whatever the problem is, that problem can be fixed. And, and they know how to fix those pipes fairly quick, you know. It's is it going to cost you? Hopefully, you'll have homeowners insurance that will cover it. But in the case that you don't, just get the estimate. You know, and perhaps you can come up with the money. Maybe some of your family can help you. But hopefully, I, I pray this don't happen to any of you. I hope you're okay. I hope most of my subscribers i hope all of you actually made it through these last few days the nice part here is going to really warm up nicely and especially as we get towards the end of the week so we have a few more cold days ahead and i think for us as of thursday where our temperatures are going to skyrocket so Y'all, please take care of yourselves and stay safe. Please leave your comment and subscribe. Don't forget to hit on the notification bell. And I'll see you on the next video. Peace, family. in this country and you know unfortunately 
there's a lot of cities that look this way in America. America, which is supposed to be one of the richest nations in the world. But it's got many locations that look just like this. Even the city I come out of, Philadelphia, there are boarded up homes all over the place. So black homeowners pushed out on one Baltimore block, shows how Wall Street banks failed to lend money they had promised. So, you know, they promised to bring these communities back to life and do absolutely nothing. Here in my state, when the casinos were built in Atlantic City, there were a lot of areas that looked similar. And they promised they were going to pour money into the community. And they never did. They never did. They made the promise that the city did not improve. So, banks promised to invest in Black communities after they were hit by the 2008-2009 financial crisis. Bloomberg found those promises go unmet as large lenders stopped serving mostly black neighborhoods. The lenders retreat is just one reason the massive racial wealth gap in America isn't improving. Just 14 minutes from the bustling streets of downtown Baltimore lies the 2900 block of Walbrook Avenue. The block stands as a glaring reminder of the broken promises made by some of Wall Street's biggest banks to support America's Black uh, homeowners. A recent Bloomberg investigation shows several major lenders stop offering mortgages to residents in areas uh, community mostly working class black families in years following the 2008-2009 financial crisis. So before large institutions including Bank of America, JP Morgan, and Wells Fargo held mortgages on 12 of the 38 lots on the block, today only two belong to Wells Fargo and J.P. Morgan. Mm-hmm. Oh, they own them houses? Mm-hmm. And they're both held by landlords, not homeowners, who use the property as their primary residences. Bloomberg's reporting on Walbrook Avenue reinforces how the economic disaster brought on by subprime mortgages crashed the stretch from 2007 to 2010, disproportionately hurting minority households and how the effects are being felt to this day. Black Americans have historically owned their own homes at much lower rates than white American. That's because you have sabotaged it to be that way and the disappearance of these large lenders from Walbrook Avenue and elsewhere have contributed to uh, what is known as homeownership gap. 
as of October 2021, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, 45% of Black American-owned homes, which is nearly 30 points below the rate of white Americans, 74.6%. On Walbrook Avenue, the absence of large lenders have left many locals without a lifeline. I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've seen this growing up and also well into my adulthood. At one point in time, I worked in Camden, New Jersey, and sometimes it would be whole blocks boarded up on both sides, you know? And then one day I was driving to work. I had to take a detour because, you know, road construction. And every house was boarded on the street except for one house. One house. And I'm like, wow. You know, I remember back in the day where the neighborhood had a lot of life. And a lot of people lived in these homes. And it's like a skeleton of itself in certain parts of the city. You know, and it's been like that for quite some time. I mean, it, it's just, it's unbelievable. All right. So according to Bloomberg's investigation, Wells Fargo, which purchased a mortgage on the Jones's family home from an undisclosed lender in 2012, has sold at least 3,000 of its Baltimore properties to real estate attorneys between the year and 2021. So while it's unclear how many homeowners have lost their properties as a result, Bloomberg suggests that the bank's actions have contributed to lower rates of Black home ownership in the area. Well, yeah, we also know a huge contributing act, you know, act that the banks did was redlining. And they secretly still redline to this very day. They've never stopped. They, that's one thing about these folks. They never stop doing anything. They will repackage it, give it a whole different name, but continue to practice the same thing over and over. And you got to understand the legal system, banking, real estate, even many of these government agencies, they still run on Jim Crow. If you look at court cases from 90 years ago and look at court cases today, they mirror each other. Remember, they were still putting civil war judges in place to make sure that people in our community could never prevail in criminal court. And what do they do now? They still do everything to deny justice. Now, they'll give justice, but they'll fall short on the sentences. Or they just let the person skip on out and they know they committed a heinous crime, but as long as it's against us, it's all good. But they never stop practicing Jim Crow in this country. What they do is use smoking mirrors. They integrated 
everything out in public, right? You can go in public places, you can go in the same restaurant, same movie theater. But when it comes down to the business side and the government side, it's still very Jim Crow up in here. And, and this is just more proof of it right here. They do a lot of manipulation just so they don't have to do anything for the <laughs> black community that they do for other communities. So Wells Fargo made uh, the largest vow in 2017 a pledge to lend $60 billion for the creation of 250,000 black homeowners within a decade. But according to Bloomberg, it underwrote 40% fewer mortgages to black buyers in 2021 than the year it announced its goal. It's clearly going in the wrong direction, Brad Blackwell, a retired senior executive behind Wells Fargo 2017 goal, told Bloomberg. In 2021, studies with Brookings Institute, a nonprofit public policy organization, shows that since 2010, the number of banks in majority Black neighborhoods has decreased by 14.6%. Their withdrawal has helped widen the nation's racial wealth gap, which I'm not surprised, y'all. I'm not surprised. And one of the more interesting outcomes of the 2022 midterms, an LGBT white Latino Republican named George Santos ran for Congress in New York. In what had been a Democratic seat, he flipped it to Republican. And before I get any wannabe know-it-alls in the comments, yes, Brazil is considered Latino and is part of Latin America. However, it's not a Hispanic country because its people don't speak Spanish. Though for the record, Spain and Portugal share continuous borders and their languages are very similar, but I digress. Anyway, George Santos was a shameless self-promoter during his election. He was willing to say absolutely anything to get himself elected, and he did. He basically made up much of his life, his entire job resume, and even religion. We'll get to that in a minute. When Santos flipped that New York seat last month, Republicans celebrated because with the red wave having been reduced to a red ripple, this was one of the few bright spots in what was an otherwise disappointing and depressing night for the GOP. Now, remember that Santos ran as an openly gay Republican in New York. He didn't run in the South, where the conservatives are strongest and most strident. He ran in what is the second most LGBT-friendly area of the country. Keep in mind that what constitutes a Republican or a Democrat is very different depending on where in the U.S. you are. Donald Trump, for example, was a typical New York Democrat. He favored abortion, gay marriage, etc. He even gave money to the Clintons. Meanwhile, in the South, people like Joe Manchin of West Virginia fights the Democrats every chance he gets, and Negro Jim Clyburn talks so conservative, I expect Fox News to give him an endorsement. So yes, Santos did flip a Democratic seat, but it was only because he was in an area where Republicans have to be more accepting of LGBT people, not to mention all the immigrants in that area, many of whom identify with the white right. But on election night, the GOP didn't care how Santos won. All they cared about was he got them a seat. They did the predictable blink and you'll miss it rhetoric about how the GOP is accepting of gay people and 
They haven't mentioned it since. And given the headlines that Santos has been getting lately, the GOP prefers not to have to talk about him at all. Here's just a few of the lies Santos told while he was on the campaign trail. He claimed that he went to Baruch College. That wasn't true. He's now admitted that he never graduated from any institution of higher learning. He claimed that he had worked for Citigroup and Goldman Sachs, but that wasn't true either. He said he had worked for Citigroup as an associate asset manager in their real estate division. A Citigroup spokeswoman said there was no record of Santos ever having worked there and that Citigroup sold off their real estate division in 2005. Santos would have been just 17 years old at the time. Santos also claimed to have been a landlord and said that the COVID-19 eviction moratorium given to renters hurt him as a landlord. There's no records of Santos having any properties in the United States, though investigators have found out that he's been evicted multiple times for failing to pay rent, and he even had a $12,000 civil judgment against him. He claimed that four of his employees had died in the Pulse nightclub massacre in 2016, but that wasn't true. He claimed that he run an animal charity. Not true. Yeah, I bet all of a sudden Herschel Walker wasn't looking so bad to the Republicans. But the biggest and most significant lie that Santos told was when he claimed that he had Jewish grandparents who had fled Belgium to escape the Nazis during the Second World War. But Jewish journalists checked into that claim and found that his grandparents were actually from Brazil and had been there before the Nazis came to power. Santos has since copped to these lies, downplaying them as being embellishments and a poor choice of words. Yeah, a poor choice of words that he also put on his campaign website. As for the claim of Jewish ancestry, Santos defended himself by saying that he never claimed that he himself was Jewish, just that he found out his maternal family had Jews in the background and that he considered himself to be Jewish. He said literally in the same sentence, I never claimed to be Jewish, I said I was Jewish. He actually said that. This isn't the first time that Santos has run for office. He ran two years ago and lost. I guess that after that, he decided this time around he would throw the kitchen sink at it, and he did. Now, the reason for bringing this guy up is that anti-Semitism has been in the news a lot lately, why the white media's been obsessing over it. Kanye West is the biggest example that they've been pointing to, but just yesterday, the white media's been trying to drag Whoopi Goldberg because they claimed that she made some controversial statement or another. And, of course, before that, heads were exploding over Kyrie Irving having an Amazon account. Though conveniently, the same people pretending to be outraged at him didn't want to do anything about Amazon, especially after they publicly stated that they wouldn't be taking down the movie that Kyrie Irving posted a Twitter tweet about. And none of the Ari Emanuels and others who were in a lather were demanding advertisers cut ties with Amazon. Ari Emanuel in particular made it a point that he was going to be attacking black people who he felt were anti-Semitic. He went so far as to say that Kanye West's mental disorder is no excuse for what he said. That's how determined this guy was to keep up the anti-black narrative. He claimed that someone being bipolar and mentally unstable was no excuse for that person making offensive statements. He actually said that, that someone having less control over their actions than most other people is no excuse for that person not controlling what they say. So for Ari Emanuel, this clearly was not about anti-Semitism at all. It was about his own personal bone to pick, a steady drumbeat of attack pieces against black people, the parade of demonization by the white media, 
Didn't matter if it was totally false. What mattered was that someone say it and the white media would take it from there and amplify it, which they did. But Kanye West is not a politician and neither is Kyrie Irving. One of them is a rapper, the other is a basketball player. Neither one of them makes policy. They don't have societal influence and nobody's going to do anything just because Kanye shoots off his mouth or because Kyrie Irving posts an Amazon link on Twitter. On the other hand, George Santos is a somebody. He's in Congress now and he did it based on lies. He claimed that his family had been caught up in the Jewish Holocaust. He said these alleged Jewish ancestors had fled Ukraine before going to Belgium. And we're not seeing a whole lot of people in the white media saying much of anything about the fact that right now Ukraine has a Jewish president fighting the Russians, the same Ukraine that Santos falsely claimed that his grandparents had fled from. The Santos character took the most terrible tragedy in the history of the Jewish people, and he made it into part of his campaign stump speech. For people whose ancestors were killed in the Holocaust, whose ancestors had to flee because of the persecution, I'm pretty sure they don't appreciate this two-bit wannabe political star using their group's tragedy as nothing more than a crass means for him to make his empty candidacy seem more interesting. I want to know where Ari Emanuel is at now, and other organizations like the World Jewish Congress who led the charge to demand that Spotify remove Kanye West from their platform. They, in particular, celebrated when Adidas cut ties with Kanye, yet neither of these entities are demanding that the GOP remove Santos from their party. Do they not believe that he did anything wrong? Don't they care? If a man is willing to shamelessly co-opt and use the Jewish Holocaust as just something that he can name drop, something he can use to get support by falsely claiming to be Jewish, if he thought so little of the worst tragedy to befall the Jewish people, then what would a man like that do when he's in Congress? If someone takes you recklessly for granted in one respect, then they'll do it in others. They'll give themselves permission to do so. Every group who's been mistreated or repressed is supposed to know this. So why so much silence on this one? Santos ran for office in New York. There's a lot of Jewish businessmen, media types, and academics who are in New York. And you would think that with anti-Semitism being a worldwide problem, that when some politician shamelessly, falsely claims the Holocaust in his family to score political points for himself, why is that not giving the same energy? And you know what else we're not seeing? We're not seeing any Latino people in the white media running stories saying that anti-Semitism in the Latino community is rare, it's ingrained. Rolling Stone's not making any room for that on their website. Kanye West cannot make any laws, and neither can Kyrie. Neither one of them can do anything. Santos, on the other hand, is in a position to make the laws, to vote on who gets into governmental appointments, and to vote against funding for Israel. And if Santos decided to do that, what would the Ari Emanuels and the Jewish World Congress say then? That he's an anti-Semite? Well, if they do, his response would be, no different than Donald Trump's when that implication was made against him. Santos could and would simply claim that it's impossible for him to be an anti-Semite because he's Jewish. And the silence that we've seen in regards to the lies that he's told, that would also become part of his defense. He would point out that, well, the outrage was muted last time, so what's all this hubbub about now? Should that happen, I guess we'll find out if the people who have been so quiet about Santos up until now will suddenly discover where their press releases and their indignation was lost at for so long. Good day.
and be one. I'd like to take a moment to mention some of our contributors. Alice Ransom, ACAD Devil, Richard Allen Lovell, Sakina Collins, and Greg McFranklin. Salute to them and thank you to everyone for listening, liking, and sharing this message. Black empowerment only exists because of you.